Blue Wire. To the end zone he goes. Where Sammy is. Boyd with a great fake. Touchdown, Taj. Hopkins throws to Boyd. Lean means touchdown throwing machine tonight, and he's got another one. Boyd. Welcome back or welcome to the Tosh Boy Podcast. As I do after every Clemson game, I'll be giving you a recap of what I saw from the defending national champs. This week, they took on the Louisville Cardinals, and they were flying high heading into this matchup against the Clemson Tigers. They won five straight, was picking up steam along the way, and putting up video game numbers on offense. Well, they got shot out of the sky this past weekend, and the Tigers had a decisive 45-10 victory, but still somehow managed to drop in the polls. What can you do? But joining me to talk about this is a big dog himself. Actually, his nickname was the Bulldog. Former clips from running back and sideline analyst Reggie Merriweather dialogues with me about what he saw up close from the guys in orange. But this one's going to be a little bit different. All right. I'm throwing in a new wrinkle. Towards the end of the podcast will be a little mini segment. The good, the bad, and the bounce back. I hope you enjoy. And you know what? If you hadn't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Here we go. Reggie Merriweather, welcome to the show, man. Just got back from Louisville. How was that experience for you? Well, I tell you what, man, it's uh, every away trip now is uh, just awesome. Uh, this goes back to, I guess, uh, about four years ago uh, when the AD sent out that letter. Uh, Dan Radicovich sent out that letter just to uh, Ipte and all the fans and say, hey, you know, we're Clemson. We're a national championship team. Um, let's uh, treat fans and, and uh, visiting fans like uh, one of our own. So, uh, obviously, uh, when that letter got out, uh, a lot of fans that came to the stadium were treated uh, great, great, you know, had graced, uh, great, great tailgates to go to, great hosts. And so, uh, everywhere we go now, people return the favor. Um, I can remember, you know, just walking through some of the tailgates and talking to some of the people and say, hey, thank you uh, for coming to Louisville. And, uh, you know, able to share a couple of drinks and sit down and talk. And, you know, uh, a lot of times, too, um, you know, you found people that had connections uh, back to South Carolina and from the area. So it was just an all around great trip and uh, even special to come out with the win in the fashion that they did. You know, I met some Louisville folks, I guess, a couple of years back when they came to Clemson. And they just couldn't believe how hospitable the fan base was, man, and the people. And I think that's. You know, you would think that it's not as rare as it is in college football, man. But, you know, that return of the fit, especially when you're talking about a place that, well, they can drink during the games, can't they? Yeah, yeah. So, the the, the which is crazy because uh, a few of the ACC schools now, if you think about uh, uh, Syracuse. Uh, I just thought at UNC. Louisville, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think that is going to happen at Clemson sooner than later. I know a lot of people give it a big stink about, you know, uh, alcohol sales in the stadium, you know, right. where, you know, in the, the Bible Belt, Southern School, um, uh, got a, a lot of people that uh, um, just don't approve of it. But obviously, you know, it boils down to making money. Yeah. And then it boils down to attendance. Uh, so Louisville, um, again, with their new addition to the stadium, they have uh, updated their suites and they have bars in it now. And uh, they serve uh, alcohol, uh, hard liquor, and uh, uh, beer in the stadium. And uh, obviously that helps with the attendance to get people there early and uh, keep them in the seats. And so 
you know, uh, for me, uh, every, every, anytime I go to a visiting uh, a stadium, I like to try new places, go different places, try new stuff, do what the locals do. Um, and obviously uh, going to Louisville, uh, being there, trying out, you know, some of the bourbon trail stuff and, and just seeing what the locals do on, on game day was actually a really cool experience. So, um, you know, tradition wise, SO club is there for Houston and you've got a couple, couple places downtown, but, uh, Obviously, again, they do a really good job of marketing. Uh, Kentucky, um, uh, Louisville is, a, is known for its baseball bats and bourbon. So, that, I mean, it's, it's a big city. It's a big place. And, uh, you know, obviously Clemson being smaller, you know, right. club is, is its brand. So when a lot of people tell me, like, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, what what is uh, what is Clemson all about? What is there to do? I said, well, you got the SO club and – that's pretty much about it, you know, for the <laughs> game day experience. But uh, yeah. obviously, again, you know, alcohol sales in the stadium with the the, the new upgrades that they plan on doing um, with the uh, uh, with the new uh, seventy one hundred square foot monitor, and uh, you know, redoing the bottom of the west zone, and you know, hopefully they can update that and maybe just try to do beer sales first and see how it goes. Because obviously, revenue is where it's at. You know, you got to yeah. put the infrastructure in place to do it. And then uh, what are you going to charge? So, I mean, obviously it works in, in, in a few stadiums. Obviously the NFL has made it work for, for you know, sure. decades. So, um, you know, uh, just got to, uh, you know, be smart about how you do it and, and uh, you know, uh, make sure the infrastructure is there and you've got the, uh, the people to work it and back it up and make it, make it prosperous for everybody involved. Well, if you want to pay fourteen dollars for a beer, man, it can happen. It's like going to Disney World out here. So, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't touch it at all. Now, all right, so Louisville, and you got a chance to to see what this demeanor was like on the sideline. Louisville's coming off, you know, at a pretty rapid pace. I mean, they won five games in a row, were flying high. You know, they had this 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 whole air about them. They put up sixty two points last week. They put up I don't know fifty points the week before that. And I think they thought that they were going to do the same thing to Clemson. And obviously, you know, those guys derailed the Cardinals of Louisville. But what was this? What was the sense like? Because it did start a little bit slow for Clemson at the beginning of this game. Could you sense that a little bit? Well, I think that's been the last few weeks. I think the Florida State game uh, has probably been the only game that we've come out firing all cylinders on offense. Yeah. And what I mean, that means you obviously know – I mean, as an offense, you've got the weapons that we have, man. You have to be aggressive. You have to take your shots downfield, right. and, you know, you have to run the ball effectively. So um, I think in that sense, um, you know, we ran the ball well the first half, mm-hmm. um, but we just we just couldn't put two and two together that first quarter um, uh, to, to get rolling. And uh, obviously the more touches you have as an offense, um, as a coordinator, more plays you call. Yeah. And then, you know, you get into your rhythm. Um, you know, I, the, the couple of big plays in the first half that stand out to me, obviously Travis Etienne, uh, who came out just rolling. I mean, he ended up, uh, let's see here, he ended up with 14 carries for 192 yards before he went out of the game with that hamstring injury. <laughs> and then uh, I've never seen him get walked down before. Hey, before. look. <laughs> I was listening to it on the radio, you know, so I didn't yeah. – I was trying to imagine it in my head. I was like, there's no way this guy must be running 4-3, but you were right there. So, Well, as I was saying, uh, immediately when he broke, you know, when he broke the line of scrimmage, um, you could kind of see him pulling away, and then he started mm-hmm. pulling up a little bit. So it's either one or two things. It's either hamstring or maybe he's, you know, ankle or something like that. Obviously, you knew something was wrong with him because he just didn't look the same. Uh, but, again, he ended up, 
uh, the game with 14 carries, 192 yards, and I mean, averaging 13.7 a carry. I mean, that's crazy. Obviously, this guy uh, is not in the Heisman talk, but you know, you're only getting uh, 16 to maybe 20 carries a game, and you got all these. It's only one ball to go around, so understandably. But you know, they struggled in that that first quarter, and uh, Amari Rogers was the guy who kind of broke him out of that funk in the second quarter. Right. He had that broken tackle on the sideline and ended up going for like 50 or 60 yards. Uh, and that kind of sparked the offense. And um, obviously they ended up scoring that drive. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, we ended up scoring 14 in the second quarter. And I think that kind of took a little air out of them. I mean, the defense, um, you know, played well. And they were just uh, suffocating, staggering. I mean, they lived on the other side of the office, office, um, uh, opposing uh, line of scrimmage. I mean, same thing that they did against Florida State. And yeah. uh, we, I don't think we give Venables enough credit for what he does week in and week out and getting these guys prepared to play. But obviously looking at the defense and the types of stunts that they were running uh, and stuff that they were doing, Louisville, they could move the ball, you know, obviously, yeah. and they, they had a, a good couple of first drives and uh, ended up getting that field goal in the second quarter. And then, uh, you know, it's got a bend, don't break. But obviously they had some big plays that they couldn't connect on. They had a lot of drop balls and, you know, they could say, oh, well, you know, if you want to beat the number two team in the country, you got to have those plays. But I think sure. it was a, a mix of a few things that Venables did and then obviously, uh, you know, a few uh, execution issues on, on their part. But, I mean, you say, wow, you look at the type scores that they had in that second quarter. I mean, just crazy plays. And then obviously the one to Ross in the back of the end zone where, you know, we thought uh, Lawrence yeah. was throwing it away. I think everybody in the stadium thought he was throwing it away. Then you got uh, – Higgins and, and Ross almost collided in the back of the end zone. Man, looking at it, I thought that ball was going to hit the crossbar uh, of the goalpost. But, I mean, Ross was uh, uh, able to, to, to go up and, and catch it, and he was about two foot above the, the defender and came down with one foot in the back of the end zone, man. It's just like, wow. I mean – Well, you know. and just to have the, the wherewithal, man, to, to be cognizant of your surroundings going yeah. up in traffic, I mean – you know, you got to have some some big kahunas to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, There's guys exactly, across exactly. it, but I'm not even messing with it because I might get my helmet knocked off across of it. Yeah. And yeah. a guy like that just jumped straight into it, man, and finds a way to bring it down. It was, I mean, it was remarkable. Yeah. And well, he makes it look routine. It's, well, I was about silly. to say, I was going to ask you a question. Looking at Trevor Lawrence and some of the yeah. passes that he had, I mean, obviously he had two interceptions. And, uh, you know, the, the craziest question people ask me all the time is the guy hurt, something wrong with him. And I was, right. I was like, no, man. I mean, he's a sophomore. They have film on him now. And any yeah. good any good coach, when you're preparing for a team like Clemson, you're going right. to review every little piece of tape you can and going to, you know, try to see what trips this guy up. And obviously that first one that he threw um, the, to Amari, yeah. <clears throat> he was going to Amari Rogers, But, you know, obviously the linebacker, they were uh, – I don't know what coverage they were playing, but they pretty much dropped seven guys. And that linebacker mm-hmm. happened to be – in that uh, that post uh, area right. in the middle of the field, I guess, and uh, you know he was able to intercept it. So, um, so what did you think about Trevor Lawrence throwing that pass to Ross in the back of the end zone? Did you think it was a pass, or you thought he found the way, or what? Yeah, like I mean, I try to put myself in his shoes, and I, I ask myself, like, would I would I have done that? And probably not. But I mean, again, he sees these guys every day, and he he knows yeah. well what they're capable of. And you know, even on the interceptions, man, I'm looking at it. And you got like the national media just absolutely trying to <laughs> they got to break it up, chop yeah. it down every time they can, you know. Yep. And, um, like there's just, but he's just so young still, man. And I know 
from a from an arm talent standpoint, he's so mature, but mentally he's still growing on on a week to week basis. So like yeah. they had a two shell starting off and you know, like it was a different kind of concept too, because it was three by one. They had an inside scene with Amari. The middle guy or the number two had like it looked like a deep hitch. And then they had another vert on the outside. The second interception actually came back on the very same route combination. It was three by one vert two. And I was Yeah. And and I mean, one of the wide receivers ran into a defender. Oh sure. They got yeah. tackled. They got tangled up or something. So I mean, like, I know he wants to get the vertical game going. I you know, he's working on it, he's doing it at practice. But you know, that's just a feel, man. And and I would only at this point take the take the shots when I know that they're givens. When yeah. I see one high safety and I'm going outside. I didn't I never liked throwing verticals across the middle of the field anyways, especially when you got a guy like cause Mari hasn't been with him this entire season or offseason. Right. So he's trying to figure out what page he's on. Oh, is he gonna bend it a little bit more? Is he gonna keep it vert? Is he gonna come across like a dig? So all of that, man, when you go into throwing deep balls, it's pretty much just one decisive motion. Yeah. Anything, any little hiccup or any little, you know, lapse that you have mentally can cause, you know, an interception, especially deep down the field. And it was like the field was already compressed because they were going in the end yep. zone. Yep. If it was middle of the field, it would have been a different story. He would have read it out a little bit better. But, you know, those are tight windows once you start getting down there. So. Yeah, and that, it's a, another thing that I, that I noticed too. And obviously, on these interceptions, you had a couple tip balls, you had a couple guys, you know, maybe not running the right route, or maybe just a bad ball that was thrown. But obviously, if you look at this wide receiver core, they're still young, and uh, yeah. you know, when that ball's in the air, you you have to have that kind of uh, mentality, like, hey, either I'm going to catch or nobody's going to catch it. And I think that had a little bit to do with, um, you know, the two interceptions this past weekend. Um, you know, if you see a guy. I mean, become a defender, you know, knock the ball down, tackle him, do whatever. Um, but I, I think, again, the uh, kind of – I wouldn't like to say call it killer mentality, but I just think the mentality right now at wide receiver, you know, is not where it needs to be. You know, you think about some right. of the great wide receivers that have come through here, like Mike Williams. We we saw Justin Ross in the Florida State game last week catch one, you know, across the middle and, and almost hit the goal post like Mike Williams did. Then he caught another one and toted a guy in the end zone uh, kind of Mike Williams-esque, but, you know, you start thinking about some of the big plays that Mike Williams made and uh, and Sammy and Nuke, and, I mean, it's yeah. like, man, when the ball was in the air, it was theirs. It was theirs only, or, or it wasn't going to get completed. So I think, again, with these guys uh, being so young and, uh, uh, again, not uh, – uh, maybe, maybe not uh, having to – I wouldn't say struggle, but may, maybe they don't have that chip on their shoulder yet. To where they say, okay, well, this is this is my ball. This is my team. I'm gonna make the big play. Um, Higgins, you've seen some of that every now and then. Um, but uh, again, to me, uh, just like you know, I, there's only one ball to go around, and I'm gonna make the best of my opportunity. Man. I don't think and that was that, that was the toughest part about it. You know, like when I would, and, you know, Chad Morris was the OC when I was there, obviously, but you know, Sammy was such a vital part of that offense, man. We would line him up at running back slot. He'll, he'll play X every now and then. Like we pretty much found a way to get him the ball. Right. And I used to, I used to hate going in that locker room after the game. And we went by, I don't know, four or five touchdowns. And I'm looking at my guys. I'm looking at Jerron Brown and Sharon Peak and Adam Humphreys. And, <laughs> and I'm like, Hey man, all guys, all guys that went to the NFL. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm like, I'm gonna get you the ball next game, man. Like it's, and one ball to go around. And that's the tough part because, you know, you do want your guys. You want your guys to get out there and fight for you every play. You want them to, to run hard, man, and block hard. And, you know, you, you incentivize them by giving them the football. Right. And so there could be some of that in there as well, but that's just part of the maturation phase too. 
So, I mean, like, I really don't, like, see any true concerns with what's happening right now. I just legitimately think that it's just errors, man, and it's just growing pains. And, and a lot of people just have to realize that, uh, especially because, you know, they are getting everybody's best shot every time they step on that football field. So, Yeah, so let me ask you this. So, yeah. in comparison to last year, where do you think this team is? you think we're right at uh, even kill with last year's team? Do you think this team, as young as it is, as as – as many freshmen as we have now are just as good or, 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 or do we need more work? I mean, I think from a talent standpoint, they're just as good, but you know, I don't, I don't think this is the same team at all from last year. And a lot of it, what I'm talking about is more in between the ears than it is actually physically. So you look at guys like Cleveland Farrell and, and Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins and Hunter Renfro and all of these guys that, that were there, man, over the years and, and led the way, uh, week in and week out, you know, in the winters and the summers and the spring, and then it translated obviously to the football field. And a lot of these guys that are that are in big roles this year were really just contributors last year. They just kind of did their job, and now it's it's their job to step up and lead. And so you got all this pressure, and you're trying to go out there and be perfect. You're trying to do that as well, and it's just the only thing you can learn it with is with time. Yeah, and I think that's just what we got to give them. Like I, I truly have no doubts that week ten. Week nine, week ten, this thing starts to roll together because they're all trying to figure it out together. Now Isaiah Simmons and and you know Kayvon Wallace, I mean, and Tanner Muse, they're stepping up and doing that. But offensively, there's still another thing there too. Um, so, man, I, I they got the skill set, they got the guys. But again, man, like you can't read the press clippings, you can't read the right. anything that's happening in the media. And right. you know, obviously, they're not on it, but they got access to it every day. Right, and, 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 and yeah, they got to. They still got to go to class. They still got to talk to their parents, right. their friends. So obviously, they read it. But yeah, man, I, I'm on par with you. Uh, and I just, you know, you you would say, man, these Clemson fans are spoiled. But yeah, they are. It's like, man, look, we don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to win every game by 35 points to 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 prove a point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think Coach Scott said it the best too. I mean, you've got a lot of guys. Uh, that are young, that are going to be leaders next year, and uh, mm-hmm. they're getting the great reps that they need now to um, kind of fill those voids and, like you said, that headspace, so they can they can remember in the off season, you know, how it felt to go in and and get pancake blocked or get or miss a block or miss a, a pass or or whatever it is and get ran by. It's like, look, you know, if I want to compete with the best, you know what I mean? I have to get in here, I have to, to learn in film study, and I have to hit it in the weight room in off season, and then I can go flex my muscle uh, during the sure. next year. So. I, I'm not on par with you, man. It's it's it, this team is young and they're going to be awesome. And uh, man, it's just week seven. I mean, I know it. this is crazy. I mean, we still got <laughs> what five more weeks of football, so I'm excited. Well, you got guys like Joe Ngata who comes in, and you know Justin Ross and T Higgins. Mm-hmm. They're still young themselves, but you know Joe's learning from guys like that. So what they do matters all the time. The way they carry themselves in a the locker room where they carry themselves at practice. And I know, you know, we got Will Swinney out here. I know he's giving them a look, but, yeah. you know, all of these guys are learning together, man. And that's the most special part because I think, I'm not quite sure, but about it's about 80 freshmen and sophomores on this football team. Yep. yep. And, man, those numbers are absolutely staggering because, like, it, it's not the cleanest victories, but they can still go out there and win 45-10. And what's wild about it is you can say what you want to say about the ACC from the outside perspective, right? Yeah. But in reality, the reality of the situation is the ACC is very much competitive. Yeah. Just not competitive with Clemson. Yeah. Like in-game conference, like 
both sides of the, of, of the divisions. Like, those teams are going back and forth. I don't know who's going to win week in and week out. It's a toss-up until they play Clemson. And that's – Yeah. I think, you know, that's a, that's what's so so crazy about the whole situation, you know? Yeah. And then, like you said earlier, Louisville comes off a four-game winning streak or whatever it is, yeah. you know, averaging 450 yards, uh, 37 points a game. You know, they scored 62 on Wake Forest and a win. Uh, and I, was it in overtime that they won or, or – Yeah, something like – yeah, overtime, yeah. yeah. Uh, so 62 to 58 or something crazy like that. But then they come and they play a very well-coached defensively uh, uh, Clemson team that only gives up 150 yards passing and right. maybe 100 yards rushing every game. And then the proof is in the pudding. So, like you said, they we gave up 10 points over turnovers. So, yeah. you know, they had that late score, scoring touchdown at the end, and then they had a field goal. And this team only had, I think, four first downs uh, in the second half, which is a ridiculous stat. But, you know, looking at them, uh, even, 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 you know, the defense, uh, you know, you talk about uh, Amari Rogers. I mean, not Amari Rogers, but Isaiah Simmons, who played absolutely out of his mind on <laughs> the sideline. And like I said, he had two sacks, two tackles for a loss. He even punked the quarterback one time and then going out of bounds. So, I mean, if you look at, again, this team, you've got Kayvon Wallace, you've got Tanner Muse, uh, Foster Davis, uh, even Skowski got into it a little bit. I mean, all these guys uh, uh, played incredible. And then, uh, you know, obviously the, the rushing attack, uh, yep. I think we had uh, almost 300 yards rushing, uh, where even Trevor Lawrence had about 50. But, uh, right. you know, Ches Malusi, Dixon, I would love to see Darren Wrencher get more playing time. Dukes, all these guys, man, attributed to it. So very young team, and uh, the sky's the limit. But obviously, you know, it's only one ball to go around, and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to get everybody touches. But it's good to see these guys uh, uh, get playing time and be able to contribute and get some real, real uh, valuable minutes. I'll tell you what, man. I, Isaiah Simmons is and – and I said this before, man. I, I don't know if I said it publicly or whatever, but – he is legitimately what the next generation of athletes will look like on defense <laughs> in the NFL. Like, they, like, cause it's weird because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, a guy like that, you don't know where to put him at. Yeah. Yeah. You right? know, he's a twin. He's a twin. Anyway. Yeah. And now he's exactly what teams are going to be looking for to be able to, to, to play against the Houston Texans or the Kansas City Chiefs or the St. Louis Rams. And, you know, with these offenses being so high powered, I mean, he can play anything. Man, so, he has PBUs, he has tackle flaws, he has sacks. It's sick. Yeah, and he's one of those guys, too. Like you said, his arms are so long. I see him sometimes just dive at people, and I'm like, man, he's going to miss this tackle. The next thing you know, he's got him around the jersey. He's got him around the the waist of the leg. And I was like, man, this guy is playing out of his mind. So I I say every time he makes a big-time play or it makes a tackle for a loss or or a solo tackle, I said, man, this dude is writing a check every day he's – he is signing his name somewhere. So when you see him uh, celebrate with the briefcase and the and the, the tie when he pulls oh, it so like it's full of a tie, I was like, man, this dude. He's he's obviously you know uh, he hasn't really said if he's absolutely leaving next year or not. Sure, but um, this guy's got first round written all over him. Um, you know the measurements um, depends on what he does in the combine. But if you look at his his film, like you said, man, he plays side on the sideline. He's that guy that you want on the outside who can cover a tight end, who can cover a slot back, and then uh, spy on a uh, running back or a quarterback in the league, and, you know, you don't have to change out the personnel. So he's definitely uh, uh, making his money. That's wild, man. So I'm going to start doing this thing, and it's going to be the good, the bad, and the bounce back. And we'll start with the bounce back. 
So obviously we know who the bounce back was, right? Drum roll, probably BT Potter. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got he got blessed last week. So Dabo gave him that blessing. And uh obviously, you know, again, you got one job to do. And um, you know, you, you've played the game, you know what kickers do. Uh yeah. your head cases sometimes, but Obviously, in the heat of the moment, this is what you practice for. And I know you're going to have jitters, but uh, you got one job to do. You got guys that lay their bodies on line all, all day, every day during practice and in the game to get you your one shot. So, you know, um, that's why you get paid millions of bucks. And, um, you know, you got your one shot to get it done. So, BT Potter, man, you know, came out, made that long field goal, got his confidence back. So, hopefully, he got some mojo to take in the next week. Man, for sure. No rest for the weary out there, man. Like he's yeah. <laughs> what, what they're building with him right now. Because I had Elliot Fry up here last week talking about it, you know. And I mean, he made it. He made a good point that made sense, I think, for him. But you know, in general, I don't think it it was it would made sense for everybody. But you know, he was like, you know, kickers, you know, don't focus on the misses because they never want to miss. Yeah. But yeah. and I get that, and I truly do. And but in this game, man. You know, you got one job. Everybody on that team has one job. The coach has a job. Call the plays. That that the water boy got a job, man. Get the water. And the kicker's got a job. Kick the ball. You know, and that's it. You know, do your thing, man. We're gonna go out here and handle our business. We need to make sure that you handle yours. And I think if anything, man, it just struck a chord because I thought that that Swinney was upset about him actually missing a kick, but apparently it was because he was couldn't be found on the sideline or something like that. Can you confirm? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't want to go in the tank. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and kickers, I mean, kickers are special, like special creatures. I think we got all attest to that. You know, we all know a a guy who, uh, you know, has missed a field goal in a big game and they could either, you know, go into the tank or, you know, you know, be coachable and go out there and, and like you said, shrug it off and, and go out there and make that 51 yarder like, uh, uh, BT did this past weekend. But, you know, it, yeah, and it's it's one of those deals. Like I said again, man, you got one job to do, and you know, obviously he he made that miss, but it was consistency for him. So he's sure. missed a couple the last few weeks, and and obviously again, you know, you you got one job to do, and you know, got to do it. So when it comes down to it, man, you don't want to be that guy to 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 make the team fumble. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to see him bounce back this week. Get that 51 yarder. Hope he takes his confidence in the next week and the, the BC game. Absolutely, man. I'm proud of the kid. Now, the bad. And I think you were here with this this time frame that I'm about to reference. The bad was the Andrew Booth, you know, two-piece combo that he laid yeah. out there on the guy on punt return, man. That's a rough job out there, man. You got guys that's, that's pushing and shoving and scratching and clawing. And, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the moment. But this moment was look. It's, it's part of football, you know. Some people out, out here like we should spin them for the next three games. I'm like, get it together, folks. Yeah, you know, shit happens out there. But tell me that were you a part of that team where y'all played Carolina with Waters and the boys? Absolutely. That's uh, that's, that's not just bad. That was the worst. So man, it, man I, want, it, I, want, I don't know all the story about it. So I want to hear about it. Well, I, well, from from my perspective, again, uh, I have a special dislike uh, for Carolina. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I don't don't necessarily hate the people, but I hate the school, um, you know. And, you know, as a, as a guy who's played the game, I mean, you don't hate the players. Uh, you hate the jersey that they have on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this is when social media was just getting hot. So, right. I mean, you would have people that you went to school with, you know, were friends with, you know, Facebook message you, man, good luck in the game. I hope you break your leg this weekend, like that type of stuff. <laughs> 
You know, this is the type of stuff that, you know, you see somebody in the street, there ain't no talking, you just go after them. <laughs> so obviously, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a different, it was a different ball club then, different coaching staff, uh, different everything. So we didn't let, let a lot of stuff slide. And when you have a, a team come in and uh, antagonize you in front of your fan base and, you know, kind of ruin your tradition, uh, running down the hill, it's uh takes a little wear and tear on you. But anyways, that game, it got chippy from the start. Um, the refs did not take control of the game at all, and that's why you had so many little mini fights and stuff. And then, you know, at that particular part, I think uh, Bobby Williamson, uh, who's the guy who played tight end, <clears throat> converted over to defensive end. It was him, uh, a couple other guys too. They had just sacked the quarterback fourth down, um, big time sack. So obviously – you know, our offense is taking over, so we're running out on the field. Their defense is uh, coming out on the field as well. And then next thing you know, man, we just see a bunch of melees. I mean, people you know, <laughs> and punching. And uh, obviously, we're on the field, and uh, coaches start running out. And I'll never forget this. A guy by the name of Todd McClinton ran out there, and Todd played defensive tackle. Todd was probably 6'5", about uh, – probably 290 and uh just a big boy and he had his street clothes on and somebody literally picked him up and threw him and i was like nah bro this ain't that type of party so i, st- I stepped crept right back on the sideline and i was like negative you're not about to catch me something <laughs> like that but at this point i mean you had people everywhere you had people on both of the end zones fighting you had people on both the sidelines fighting and uh i mean it was just it was just a mess so obviously you I mean Again, um, people just don't understand. Like, oh, what what are they doing? Punching each other in the helmet at that point, man. It's like blind rage, you know. It's just like catching catching, you know, your wife, your girlfriend, uh, uh, somewhere with somebody that ain't supposed to be, and it's, you're not thinking about anything at that 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 point in time. It's just it, the instinct just takes over. And uh, obviously, you know, we had a bunch of suspensions that game, but I can understand. I can understand what Booth did. I mean, he yeah. is a he's a five star guy. Uh, he big fish in a small pond, and he comes to to, to Clemson. Um, and I guess he got here in in, in August, so uh, uh, fresh on campus. Uh, you know, he's probably got a lot a lot going on uh, with academics, uh, football, and you know, when you come, when you come, I mean, honestly, these are college kids. I mean, you know, he, he was not seeing cast the first stone. So, I mean, it's just a learning moment. But you know, you got to have some restraint. Obviously, we don't know what was said or done. He could have right. been over there talking about his mama the entire time. They they <laughs> and social yeah. media, social media is so crazy now. So I can literally go on social media right now, type in Booth's name and see, see who he's dating, see who he dated in in high school. Right. I mean, it gets very personable. So obviously, when somebody is playing against you, and this is what Jalen Ramsey said. He said, "Man, if I was playing a big time receiver on weekend, I'd go on his social media and hit his girl up. Be like, yeah, so and so took me down to blah blah blah." And we had dinner. It's like, I mean, all that type of stuff, you could say, oh, man, it's just trash talk. But sometimes you strike a chord, especially when, you know, you know the person, you know, personally. So, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, we will never know what happened unless we go back and, you know, focus in on them the entire time and watch the full game, special teams, to see what they did. But, uh, man, you know, uh, I kind of – I feel so bad for the kid. You know, not not only did he have to ride the bus back <laughs> – you know, uh, with the with the equipment managers and all that, but obviously Dabo Sweeney 
is a type guy who is going to make sure he does not live this down. You yeah. are not bigger than the team uh, in Dabo's eyes, and this was a selfish act, um, albeit maybe, you know, he retaliated or, 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 you know, did this on his own fruition, but – you know, no. you're not bigger. You're not bigger than the team, and Dabo's not going to let him ever, ever forget that. As long oh, yeah. as he's Clemson, for sure. Yeah, we we know Coach Sweeney don't forget anything. Yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. No. and I mean, and he's passionate about the game, and he's passionate right. about his players. But obviously, this is just a learning opportunity for that young man. And you either right, right? You either when you get tossed in a grinder, you know, like Dabo says, you either <laughs> you either get shined up or get ground up. So, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't get ground up by this and um, he doesn't, doesn't go in a tank. And, you know, this guy's a five-star guy. I mean, he was yeah. with the number two or three defensive back in his class. So, uh, big time. He's, yeah, he's big time. He's talented. So, um, you know, he's just a, just a learning moment. And uh, hopefully he can, you know, bounce back from this and, and get better. And, uh, man, it's just it, – it really is tough. Football's a tough game. I mean, sports is just tough in general. You know, they, they blame all these people, you know, like Ron Artest and all that, man. So you, if you got a chip on your shoulder, man, and, and you know, you got some angst in you, I mean, yeah, you ain't, ain't going to take too much. To, <laughs> you ain't going to take too much to uh, let the pot boil over. But uh, obviously you got to learn restraint. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it was me, I would just got him back on that next play. I was like, man, I'm a, I, I'm a wait. I can't wait to the fourth quarter when they put me in. I'm going to find you specifically. And you either gonna get these hands underneath the pile, or I'm gonna just crack block you or something. There's something gonna happen. But you know, obviously he he did it in, in in the special teams and got called. And you know that actually that actually was kind of a turn of the game a little bit for them. They got a little yeah. momentum after that. Um, but uh, yeah, Dab- Dabo's not gonna let him live that down, and, and hopefully he can bounce back from this. Man, Woody McCorvey told me something one time. He was like, man, you know, the game changed. And for, for those who don't know Woody, Woody is like uh, Don Corleone, man. He's just OG. And, you know, what he was telling me about some guys that played at Alabama back in the 70s or something. And this one guy would carry a safety pin in, like, his wristband. And he would get to the bottom of the pile, and he will just be stabbing these people with safety pins. I'm like, that's wild. So, I mean, look, you know, the thing, stabbing people with safety pins is a whole other issue. So. I believe it, man. And and I know you, you had a uh, – you've always worn a uh, face shield. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, it was one time I'll never forget this man. We were playing NC State. I got uh, tired for a loss, and it was uh, I forget that boy's name. He wanted him to be a first round draft pick uh, from NC State defensive end. Uh, it was him and like three other dudes picked me up, threw me on the ground, and then the next thing I know, I'm Danny's got the <laughs> I'm walking off the field. Danny had to grab me. I'm bleeding, busted nose, <laughs> busted eye, and uh, ended up didn't uh, didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, this was probably like third, second or third quarter. But uh yeah, man, they had to take pictures of me all beat up and look like a one of the, the domestic abuse children. Uh uh they had to send the pictures to the NCAA, man. It was it was crazy. It, it was yeah. bad. But uh, obviously again, you know, different different ball game, different ball club back then. But you know, I ended up having to go to the face shield then and uh, you know, it was just just crazy. So I understand. I know how it is to be at the bottom of that pile and and uh, you know, get getting the getting the hands. It's a different beast down there. All right, and yeah. the good. All right, Joe, Joe and God is back in line. Catch was sick. Justin Ross had some amazing stuff. Amari Rodgers still doing his thing, underappreciated. Travis Etienne, obviously. Isaiah Simmons, of course. And then Trevor Lawrence running the football at a high level these days. I don't get why they still don't respect that man running the football. Yeah. But, uh, 
I mean, the RP, like you said, the RPO, I mean, that's just basically what this offense is based off of. It has been the last few years, you know, with Kelly Bryant and, you know, all the uh, Deshaun Watson, all the other great quarterbacks yeah. that we've had. So, I mean, I think people just try to make a play. I mean, <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm saying, look, if that guy gives it, you know, you still stay with him no matter what. But obviously, you know, Travis having 192 yards rush and everybody's trying to, you know, uh, fit fit their gap and get in and get in on the tackle to make sure they wrap him up. But, uh, yeah, Mario Rogers, Justin Ross, uh, you know, even Travis and uh, Overton even got some some love this week, man. I'm glad to see them guys get some yak too. Man. Sure. We're talking about Chase and Cornell Powell. I was excited yeah. for for Cornell to get in the end zone, man. That's oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know, obviously, you know, that's just a want thing. You know, all you know, you you can catch the ball all day, but the want comes in it when you catch it and you have to do something with it. And uh, you know, the guys got uh, some yards at the contact, man. And that's what it's all about. And you know, Amari Rogers going back again to that second quarter when he was able to catch that ball for I think it was like a outer. Uh, maybe it was some type of slant or something, making a guy miss, and then going a whole sixty something yards, and he put the the spark in this this offense. And uh, man, just a special guy. And I tell everybody, I said, man, can you believe he was out for six months with a with a torn ACL? It's like, no, no, this guy wasn't out for six months with a yeah. torn ACL. He's like, yeah, <laughs> he, he was, and, uh, and he's legit. He's legit a four. He's legit a four three guy. Legit a four three guy. I will argue anybody on that. I say, man, his first step, you see him get in the open field, and he just right. like Cadillac, man, he, he can roll. But, uh, you know, special guy, and I'm glad to have him back. Yeah, that giddy up, something serious. Well, look, that was the good, the bad, the bounce back. I expect to see greatness next week against Boston College for homecoming, so it's going to be fantastic. Reggie, I appreciate you joining the show, man, and appreciate your insight, bro. No, I appreciate you, Taj. Thanks for having me on, man. And as always, good to see you. Good to hear your voice on the radio. And I uh, hope to see you in the Valley this weekend. Absolutely. You know what time it is. I'll be there. So, yeah, we'll get a chance to do this in person. 